0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 97 of the Retrospectors podcast The Chronicles of Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay. My name is Patrick Arthur and I'm joined as always by my co-host James Sterlings. James, we're doing yet another movie inspired game. A most recent one we did was King Kong of course and although this game on the surface may seem very similar to that movie game that we both ended up not liking too much, I think it's going to be very interesting dissecting the things that this game does differently. Are you um are you familiar with the Chronicle of Riddick movies uh, because I know that back in 2004 when this movie came out it was a massive thing but you were telling me that there was a movie that came out before it that I had no idea even existed
1: Yeah so Riddick's actually a character that Vin Diesel's quite fond of Um, and the original movie Pitch Black came out in 2000 Um, and I had nothing to do with this series until this fortnight right like I had never you know I'd seen the name around the place and I'd never played the game or watched the movies. I actually went back and I watched the film today after finishing the game Um, and you know it ended up explaining a lot of the things about the the story and the characterization that i wasn't too sure on while playing the game but i think that the game and the movie have some interesting ideas in them you watched um the later more popular film right
0: i did although if you asked me to explain what was in that movie i would have no idea about the only thing I remembered really was that the voice acting was pretty damn consistent with the movie. Um t- tell me a bit about the the prequel movie. Was it good? Did you enjoy it?
1: Yeah, so I would probably it's like a decent film. It's like a like a 68 out of 100 kind of film, right? There's some like There are some really good bits of characterization at the start and the end of the film. Um, I'd probably describe it as it's like Aliens, but it's set on Arrakis from Dune, so a big desert planet. They basically, like the cast of characters, crash lands on the planet. um, And, you know, it's carrying a dangerous criminal, Riddick, you know, the main character of the game we're playing this fortnight. And in order to survive, they let him free, right? But they're kind of afraid of him because he's like a murderer. Um, and over the course of the film he develops kind of this relationship with some of the crew members and right at the end he's pretty much ready to still just backstab them and fly off and leave them there but there's like a good little bit of character you know development right at the end where he realizes he has feelings (laughs) isn't that great um So, you know, because of that, I felt like the game maybe wasn't able to have any character development whatsoever, but it was definitely true to the character for sure.
0: Yeah. And I also think that the nature of this game is that it feels very self-contained. Yes, the Mm. characters kind of get dropped in on us without much context or explanation, but the premise of the game's story is so simple. Escape from Butcher Bay. The title tells you everything you need to know about the plot of the game. Riddick is going to try and escape a prism. That's that's the game. And I think that smaller, more confined nature of it, probably like that first movie, Pitch Black, works in its favor, kind of a tight, self-contained adventure.
1: Yeah, I think so. It basically starts and ends in the same way with them, you know, together on a ship um, and, you know, sets up the intro to the first movie because this is a prequel. It's not a, it's not like a backstory prequel. It's just a you know, this is something that he did.
0: Yeah, I, I might have to go back and check it out. It sounds a bit like Assault on Precinct 13, which is uh, one of the classic John Carpenter films. Not one I particularly loved, to be honest. I know a lot of people are very high on it, but um, it's growing on me in hindsight, uh, as as his films often do. Uh, But yeah, we're here to talk about not movies uh, as I'm always devastated when we do a movie-based game but instead of video games. We are The Retrospectives Podcast. What James and I do every single fortnight is that we play classic games of the past uh, from start to finish with the intent to determine if they have truly stood the test of time. Most important thing to know about us is that this is not a nostalgia podcast. We're not here to appreciate and understand these games and the context in which they are produced. We simply want to know how good they are to play today, and whether it's your, worth your time to play them today in and amongst modern games and other activities that get released every single day. So we, we, we go in very harsh, go in very critical, but we feel that that just means that the games and aspects of games that we think are worthy of praise is all the more meaningful because of it. So I think the first thing to talk about with this, this game is how we played it, because it's not the most straightforward game in the world to acquire. Uh, Riddick is Abandonware. You can't actually purchase this game anywhere anymore, which has been the case for a few titles we've played. Uh, More interestingly still, we did not play the original version of Escape from Butcher Play. We both downloaded the sequel, uh, Dark Athena, which actually includes the full original game as well. It was a 2008 re-release of the Xbox that was later Uh, released on PC and the reason we did that is that the gameplay is essentially the same there's just been some improvements to the AI and the graphics and the lighting so it seemed to be the most stable version that people recommended Uh, so we went with that one.
1: Yeah, I had a look at the old version of the game and the comparison with the new one, Pat. Basically, I don't think they touched up the models or the character animations or anything like that at all. Even the older level design is just ripped from the original. The only thing they've done, it seems, is port it into a new lighting system, mm-hmm. because the game looks, you know, hugely better on the Xbox, PS3, with their more advanced lighting systems. And as far as I can tell, that's the only thing that's changed. But it's got a, it's had a very dramatic difference if you look at the original um, and compare it to the modern version.
0: Also, lighting matters in this game. Like th- this like is a lot. Well. Well, this isn't Thief. It's not that level of fidelity. But uh, as we'll go into, there are stealth elements in this game and shadows and lighting form a part of it. So it does make sense to go for the superior lighting experience.
1: And uh, it's kind of weird doing this... uh... Older title on this retro show and having a video game that natively supports like (laughs) 2k resolution and 144 (laughs) frames was like what is this
0: it feels like cheating doesn't it
1: yeah the settings are like from a modern title it's great um i I had no problems i think it crashed once maybe when i was doing some erratic alt tabbing but that was it really
0: i'm used to going into options menus and there being like three settings to toggle none of which you actually want to toggle it was a nice change yeah so so that's the version we played it's also the version we recommend you play Dark Athena and all versions of dark Athena include the entire original game So we did escape from Butcher bay but we did it in the dark Athena engine if you will. So uh, I think it's time to talk about the story. Of butcher bay it seems like the logical place to Ooh. start this is a game that has a story unlike a lot of the video games we cover what do you think james
1: yeah um so we start this one off um on a spaceship heading towards an unknown destination um the main character riddick you know easily identifiable because it's just vin diesel <laughs> it's just uh, vin diesel wearing a <laughs> yeah, tank top. wearing sunglasses yeah <laughs> Uh, is strapped to a chair with many, many layers of restraint. He is clearly a dangerous individual, uh, and he is being teased or bullied by this bounty hunter, it seems, who has captured him and is going to take him to prison. Um, and this is, of course, John's, who, you know, also appeared in the original movie quite extensively, pitch black. And so you arrive at the prison, uh, and you very quickly realize that this is not your average prison it is a prison on an alien desert planet uh maximum security are filled with the absolute low life of the universe um and some of the most corrupt Uh, angry and violent guards imaginable
0: not a pleasant place to go yeah so so the game starts with you uh as james said johns is taking you there you go into prison and immediately riddick starts trying to escape and that's the entire story like main story of the game your goal is to escape from butcher bay and it's uh it's quite an elaborate job to do so it's not the kind of thing you can just stroll out of it this is truly the prison from hell
1: yeah and Critic's character is kind of that he is pretty stoic and he'll crack some pretty dark one-liners occasionally, Um, but he's primarily self-motivated. Like he's a criminal. If somebody gets in his way, he won't hesitate to kill them. You know, he doesn't kill for fun. He's not that kind of, you know, criminal.
0: Yeah, not sadistic.
1: But he has no qualms over doing whatever's necessary to get out. Half the time in this game, aww, I just, I just swatted a mosquito and it fell into my drink. <laughs> well, um, half the time in this game, it doesn't actually feel like Riddick has a plan to escape. It's more like he's just doing whatever it takes to be as big of a nuisance as possible to the guards, right? That's how, that's what I got. You know, that's the feeling I got throughout the adventure.
0: Kind of. I think that his, I guess, path to escaping involves being a nuisance. Like he's trying to create chaos as a way to cover his tracks. But yeah, he he's doing a lot of damage in this prison. He's he's not trying to escape silence. he's not trying to ghost through the prison is probably a good way to describe it. You're not playing as Adam Jensen ghosting, leaving no one behind, or Garrett ghosting and leaving no one behind. You're leaving absolute mayhem in your wake, murdering uh very freely, as you said. Did you um Did you like the character of Riddick James? Because I quite liked him. Like he's not not anything bombastic or super colorful or anything, but there's a consistency to his tone that reminded me a bit of Garrett actually.
1: Yeah, I think it was all right. At the start of the game, it came off as a bit edgy, honestly. Like it felt like it was trying a bit too hard in some sections early on. When I came around to it and saw it a bit more tongue-in-cheek almost yeah although maybe it is just like that nice 2000s edge i kind of warmed up to it a bit more he likes being a bit of a show-off right like he doesn't he wants people Mm -hmm. to notice all the bullshit that he's pulling off um he won't do something in a completely subtle way like right at the end of the game he has this opportunity just to shoot the you know the antagonist in the head right but he doesn't do that he goes for the most elaborate like way to get the you know the antagonist killed that he can even if
0: it's like the probably wouldn't work yeah absolutely like it's, it's actually <laughs> ridiculous it wouldn't work even remotely the way the way it happens is kind of amusing actually yeah i um i i kind of like how he's just deadpan 100% of the time like and i like how even when he's under enormous danger and pressure he still doesn't crack he keeps just making very you know deadpan jokes jokes. yeah yeah very very flat it's um the one that was the funniest that really stood out is that he um tackles a guard into a big pit yep and he goes it's not the fall that kills you and he like falls down and lands on this guard and kills him kind of uses him to cushion his fall but then there's like a pause of 10 seconds as he gathers himself before delivering the, uh, the second um. part of the joke <laughs> that you're waiting for. And I'm like... Alright, this is kind of amusing. I
1: was like rolling my eyes at that part. I was like, this is so painful. <laughs> um but yeah, I it's very consistent with the film, I have to say. Like hmm. in the film he was doing show-offy things and he was deadpan right until the very end of the movie when, you know, the big character development bit happens. So uh it was definitely enjoyable, right? Like I thought it was a benefit to the game. Um I felt like this kind of character who doesn't say a lot when you've got a a story that's a prequel that you know out of necessity can't have a lot of character development I almost feel like you need a character that talks a bit more
0: well I to me the problem is less with Riddick and more with the supporting cast like I think Johns did a good job I quite liked the kind of low-key relationship him and Riddick had and that developed over the course of the game But every other character is just immediately forgettable. Like there's nothing really interesting about them. Even the minor, minor characters are pretty forgettable. Um, The only one that stands out is the, is the weird doctor, but I couldn't help but feel he was just a worse version of the Vicar in Half-Life 2.
1: Now that you mention it, even in Pitch Black, he's not the main character. There is another main character that kind of like coaxes him to action and mm-hmm. he's very reactionary. Yes. So I guess maybe having that kind of reactionary character as your viewpoint character 100% of the time causes this problem when you don't have strong side characters to like pull the personality out of him constantly yeah
0: he's kind of falls into that trope of being the generic action dude who's good at everything right uh we we don't really get any weaknesses to his character
1: yeah but when he does interact with the characters I enjoy it basically um so maybe if there was a side character he could you know talk to it could have been a bit better but it's it's like overall i, I liked it right
0: yeah I, I i think i think his character does a good job even though it's nothing flashy it, it pulls it along I think the next thing I want to talk about with story, James, kind of is something that does, has gameplay as part of it. It's the structure and pacing of this story. (laughs) It's so strange, right? (laughs) Yeah, it is odd, but I think it's something that actually works extremely well. Yep. This story has speed ups and slow downs. It has bits where you're kind of moving in a linear fashion, and then it has hub areas where It feels like it resembles an Oblivion or Skyrim quest more than it does your traditional FPS action stealth game. Um, And it's a very short game. It probably clocks in at about, I don't know, five to six hours is probably what it took me to complete it, but it manages to jam in a bunch of variety with how the story actually progresses did you find that this kind of storytelling worked in the game's favor or would have you preferred yeah. something even tighter something more like how splinter cell does its storytelling with cutscenes in between missions and the story kind of dynamically uh emerging as you go about with the gameplay
1: um, I really liked the structure of this game. I really love novelty in my games. And this is like mm. novelty the game, like the structure is very unpredictable and not like traditional on how a normal game would progress. For example, something that would happen in a first person shooter is that you would start the game with like a pistol and then you would acquire a bunch of weapons and you would get stronger over the course of the game. What happens in Riddick is in the first hour you start with nothing and then within an hour you get to a gun uh, like a shotgun and then you get you know an assault rifle and then you get stripped of all your guns again and then you don't see them again until like the last like another three hours later and then in between that there is like you know like an hour and a half of gameplay where you're not shooting anything you're just walking back and forth between npcs talking to them and then suddenly you're doing like a stealth section with a trank dart gun and then suddenly you're playing like a horde shooter as if it's the like flood sections from halo and then you're back at doing like normal shooting and it just like jumps around and all of it makes perfect sense within the context of the story. Basically, everything you do in this game is uh, is caused by what's happening in the plot. And you don't usually see, because I wouldn't say that this is like a narrative heavy game in the sense that like, a, you know, a more modern cinematic experience would be like, I feel like this is a like 80% you're playing the game and... Mm-hmm. F- for the time that you spend playing the game, the story has such a strong impact on what you're doing from moment to moment without it being like shoving cutscenes down your throat every 20 steps, right? Like normally when the story has this much of an impact, it's a, you know, 80% story game almost.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think there's two main elements here feeding into this. So the first is something that you discussed briefly with me before the show, which I'll let you get into a moment. But it's that they created this story, this narrative first, and then they decided to let the gameplay flow naturally from the story. But that's only half half of the puzzle because that's no, going to be no good unless the fundamentals of your gameplay are solid. And I think Mm. that the fundamentals of this game, stealth, shooting, melee combat, and kind of talking to people in hubs, I think all of those elements are strong enough on their own merits that you're able to chop and change between them without the game sinking into tedium. And maybe if this game was 15 hours long, those gameplay elements wouldn't be able to actually hold their water. But with the game, the length and tightness that it is, You very rarely, and for some people, it will. You will never feel as though the game is wasting your time or you're engaging in gameplay that's uninteresting. So when you have those two things, when you've got the narrative shaping the story and the gameplay being pretty solid the whole way through, it it just works. I think you have problems with this style of cinematic gameplay experience when the gameplay isn't quite up to snuff, because then it feels like the gameplay is dragging you away from the story
1: i actually do think that um each of the individual elements like if you just take them on their own they are below average agreed um like i think the shooting is well below average i think the stealth is well below most of the games we've played for this show Mm -hmm. i think the dialogue is below you know a lot of the rpg like something like pathologic it's way below that once again
0: we we can't use pathologic as a (laughs) a benchmark here james (laughs) (laughs) aim lower
1: (laughs) but so the thing to me is that because you're doing each of these individual things for such a short amount of time
0: and within the context of the greatest yeah right?
1: it doesn't really give you the time you need to really master the system and then realize its flaws because you're already doing the next thing and maybe later you come back to shooting or stealth or horde shooting or what what have you um but because the game is rapidly switching almost genres of what you're doing you know having slightly less sophisticated gameplay isn't as noticeable um whereas if you were playing the same thing for a long period of time uh you know you, it would become very apparent very quickly quickly that you know when you shoot at things the trace rounds don't line up with where you're actually shooting and stuff like that um
0: yeah so while i was playing this i was trying to think of um comparison points, right? And I think the most obvious one is probably uh Half-Life. I feel like interestingly in a lot of ways Half-Life 2 does what this game does but in a more expansive and well-thought-out way. You've got stuff like the gravity gun just adding a whole layer of interesting mechanics. And I think that there's more outside areas, larger areas to have the combat engagements and everything that make the game more fun to play. But from a narrative standpoint like I could totally imagine this game being like almost like a Half-Life 2 mod that some person has made set in indoor locations. The other game that comes to mind is Deus Ex, and that's more for the hub talky bits, because yep. man, one of my favorite parts about these hybrid FPS RPG games is the bit where you go to the hub. And James, there's... um. One of the really cool things about Deus Ex, I know that you haven't played this game, but there's um, UNATCO HQ, you work for the organizers in UNATCO, and there's the UNATCO hub, and you keep returning to it uh, in between every single mission, and it changes slightly every time. So what you do is you go to this hub and you talk to everyone and they have different things to say and there's different equipment to steal and different things in the broom locker to break into every single time. And it's fantastic. I think that the usage of these hubs is a massively underutilized thing in uh, FPS games today because it does a tremendous amount uh, to bring the world to life. And I think that the hubs in this game, in Riddick, even though they're quite simple from, you know, a lot of these NPCs will only have one or two lines of dialogue or you'll ring a doorbell and you'll get one person annoyed at you that you've broken their sleep, little things like that. I think they add tremendously to the world feeling alive. And uh, it's something that I really appreciate about this game and enjoy. And it's something that I wish games would do more.
1: Did you like the setting? Because I was super keen on the idea of like a big sci-fi prison. It just seems really interesting and unique to me the sci-fi twist kind of works really well because you have all these weird like super 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 max cryo prison cells and stuff like gigantic cell blocks that are basically just shipping containers all stacked on top of each other as far as the eye can see um i felt like the guards and the discussions you had with the people in the guard really kind of like brought the prison to life as this like planet-sized thing almost
0: i think that um I am very attracted to the idea of sci-fi westerns in general, and I think that this that Riddick taps into that space. Like Firefly is one of my favorite shows of all time. I think Fallout and Fallout 2, which while I had my gameplay qualms, I think they've got fantastic world building, also have this kind of atmosphere. Um, I would say the thing that distinguishes Riddick from those games is that this is a very, very dark take. On the sci-fi western there is a lot of dark humor here but what it lacks that those other ones have is charm this isn't you know charming or light-hearted in any way whatsoever it's a very very dark and gritty and you might even say edgy take on it that being said i like it like i think that the combination of sci-fi and western exists for a reason we colonize space in the same way that we used to colonize the wild west so it's just it just works all of the economic principles um underlying that kind of interaction will would you would think would lead to these kinds of situations i didn't think that it was a particularly inspired take on the concept not a particularly creative take like at the end of the day, you are in a lot of corridors, and there's a lot of shipping containers, and there's mines. There's there's no real sense of spectacle. You know, this isn't Space Channel 5. <laughs> if I, th- you... <laughs> I
1: think um, I think the end sequence did have some of that um, when you go uh, to the yes. Yeah I think the end sequence was really good for that actually where you basically do this like extended um, you know cinematic piece um, that starts off with a little like kind of puzzle thing and then goes to you know um, rampaging through the facility in a much different looking environment to the rest of the prison so I thought that was awesome.
0: But even then I think it pales in comparison the the game that came to mind is Half-Life 2 once again like Half-Life 2's final section just feels like a better version of this and maybe it's unfair for me to compare them so directly but uh I don't know it it didn't quite Spec when I played this game it wasn't the spectacle that that kept me going in fact and I think that the almost low-key understated nature of the environments it has something going for it there's Mm -hmm. a there's a realism to this setting uh that is maybe not in those other video games
1: Um, and like that grittiness comes through from the characters right because you get people like if you kill that guy i'll give you this shiv because i hate him (laughs) like like,
0: that sounds like a great deal yeah and you just do
1: it yeah and you just have no problems it's like the kind of you know the animations that play when you like you have a club and you just smack someone like through the skull with it or you know you tranked out somebody and then you know you walk up and you just stomp their head into the curb. It is very, <laughs> yeah. very gritty.
0: Just so you understand, this isn't the kind of game where if you know decide to not kill someone, you know that's a that you're t- you're taking the paragon path and you're going to be rewarded later on. No, you either kill someone to get the reward or get nothing. <laughs> Those are your options.
1: There's no reward. It's just they don't get back up and start shooting you
0: again. <laughs> exactly. I I also love all of the shoot. Shuv- animations they're bloody brutal vin diesel is not fucking around with that shiv he's going for for the kill
1: i am um, i particularly like the health station animation he just like grabs the side of it and because the health station just like shoots these huge needles into your neck it's like it's very visceral definitely thought that they managed to capture the tone um that they were going for very consistently throughout the runtime
0: yeah so it's it's a gritty grounded sci-fi western where your character is a badass but in an understated way one thing i didn't the, the one thing that really didn't stand out is all the prophecy bullshit and i know that that's important for the later movies but i feel like i i didn't like it i i, I just thought that it it was unnecessary fluff
1: i just watched the movie and i forgot about what you were talking about because that shit was not in the movie at all
0: uh. like
1: in the movie they said that he got his sight from a prison you know operation that's all they said Uh, they didn't mention that bullshit at all in pitch black
0: it's it's in the later movies you know there's a woman talking in his head saying he's the chosen one it's like fuck me yeah
1: because this game came out before the second film right like a few days before yeah
0: but obviously they would have been developed in parallel like Vin Diesel had um had input into both so I think that obviously it, it was a seed that was planted for those future movies and it's just it's just unnecessary yep. I, I think it personally detracts, I think it detracts I from from yeah Vin Diesel sorry I keep saying Vin Diesel Riddick doesn't need to be fancy with special powers it's just completely unnecessary for his character he can just be the low-key badass and that's fine you don't need every character to be the chosen well one. he does
1: have the sight stuff in pitch black like he has to wear welder's goggles constantly or he's like blinded basically
0: but that's not necessarily mysticism that can be a sci-fi procedure yeah, right that's and been I'm pretty sure been he's not
1: human you. either like i think he's some other race also so you could just do that as well um so i i kind of agree i feel like do they they only show that bullshit twice in the game right like once after the uh, operation and once when you confront Abbott. yeah
0: when he's surrounded by the soldiers yeah but yeah, it, I agree. It, yeah, I don't want to make a massive deal about because it it's not like it's there the whole time, but it just it's so much shittier than just, you know, the banter that John's and Riddick have as the um as the story goes on.
1: Yeah, so I mean overall I'm positive on the story. I liked it. Honestly, I think I've I feel like this the, the movie is like not that great, but I'm kind of fond of it now. Um, so mm. I think uh it has left an impression on me what hasn't left an impression on me however is the music and we were trying to like pick a song <laughs> for the first music break before the show and we were both like i can't remember any of this music i was like i was worried that i was listening to the wrong soundtrack um but nope it's just i would describe it as very forgettable movie sounding music it, it, that's Probably the most I can give it, because I literally cannot remember any of it, um, and it's very samey uh, across the whole thing.
0: I completely agree. This is uninspired, generic, forgettable music. And I'm sorry if you're a massive fan of it, but I just, like I said, I went through all the tracks, and not not a single one really stood out to me. Maybe the Doctor's music, because it's the one that's different. But even then, I barely yeah. remember it. I the the one thing I will highlight about this soundtrack is that there are different soundtracks for whether you're in the action mode or you're in the stealth mode and even if I don't remember it that's something that I will always appreciate. So shout out to Riddick for having different tempo soundtracks for the you know type of gameplay you're experiencing but outside of that um, I, I would say it's bad. if If a soundtrack isn't memorable in the slightest then it's probably not a very good. song. Yeah,
1: it's not apescapes like please turn it off. It hurts me, or it's not like drill dozers like incessant looping of you know overly cheerful tunes. Um, Instead,
0: it- it's bland. Do better next time. Yeah, basically that. C minus. So what, what song are we going to play, James? Didn't you pick? All right, we're going to be doing a song at random. That is the stealth theme. This is generic random random stealth song.
1: all right that was generic random stealth song number one maybe we'll do generic random action song number one later um so let's drill down a bit more onto individual gameplay elements i guess Mm -hmm.
0: um let's start with stealth because we just played the stealth track
1: yeah sure um i wanted to talk about this because i don't think the level design always works for the stealth you have a lot of Um, Very cramped corridors, often very well lit up. I found it really hard to find spots to be stealthy, actually. Um, And it did make good use of the dark shadows when they were there. I felt like the level design probably could have... You know, been a bit more open in these sections. Um, there was probably only one or two times in the game where I felt like a stealth section was like a stealth puzzle, like I was trying to work out what order to do things in. Like I'm gonna wait for this guard to walk to here, and then I'm gonna take him out and drag him into the dark, so then I can wait for that guy to walk to there, and then do the same, and then I'll just shoot the last guy because that's easy.
0: Yeah, it's it's not that kind of game for me. The premier linear stealth game is splinter cell specifically splinter cell 1 and maybe splinter cell 2 is better i haven't played that one but definitely splinter cell 1 over splinter cell 3 as uh, as you will know if you've listened to our splinter cell episodes uh this doesn't even get close to approaching the the intent of how those levels are designed mm-hmm. uh, in terms of shadows and patrol routes and security cameras and all that What you're doing most of the time is, and you can shoot out some lights and turn off some light switches to make things easier, but generally you'll only have about three or four stealth encounters in a row, and a lot of the time it'll be sitting still, uh, you'll watch a guard patrol, you'll get up behind them and kill them, Then you'll move on to the next area or there'll be two guards and one will walk over out of sight of the other and you'll take them out one by one. And as James said, I think I remember like one instance where there were three guards and I had to choose the order to take them out the entire game. What I will say is that the stealth is functional. Mm. It's not like broken, like Dark Messiah of Might and Magic or dodgily confusing like in vampire the masquerade bloodlines you can consistently achieve what you're trying to achieve in the stealth it's just not very interesting or deep uh it's not here to be a compelling stealth experience it's more there as a way to i don't know the way i see it is that you it's part of the broader whole right Yeah, and a lot of time in the game, you don't have a big arsenal of weapons. You don't. You're, you know, you're a prisoner escaping a situation. So stealthily taking out these guards is almost the logical way to approach this problem, as opposed to just shooting everyone with guns. Although you do do that way. Yeah,
1: you kind of mix it together, right? Like oftentimes you'll like stealth kill the first guy and then gun down the next two. Um, sometimes you'll get lucky and be able to stealth kill two people in a row. Uh, i find Mm -hmm. at least the takedowns felt good like you can you know if you're crouching up behind someone you can rapidly you know uh get up to them quickly right click to choke them out silently and then drag them into the dark it works very fluidly and it feels good um i guess my only real harsh criticism of it here is that i think the pathing ai of the robots or the guys in the mech suits is god awful um and it's probably the worst like stealth pathing or patrol routing that i've seen in a game on this show mm-hmm. like those things will just stand still for like three minutes and then, <laughs> and then move mm-hmm. it's like it's so unpredictable yeah um you just sit there bored out of your mind until they move now there aren't a lot of these sections but i think that tightening up their movement would have made these sections much better
0: it makes me nostalgic for the thief 2 mechs they were so interesting such a great addition to the game Um, so i think what saves it is basically that you're not doing 10 stealth bits in a row you're kind of yeah. doing three in a row and then you'll get to a bit where three people will rush in a door and you're suddenly in a combat section um yep. if this stealth actually had to if we were comparing this to other stealth games it's bad like I, i'll i just try and say it's bad not because it doesn't work but because it's bland and uninspired i would still say in general it's better than dark messiah or um or vampire because i think that it's functional in a way those games aren't but really this is pretty mediocre stealth system and that's that's the honest review level design has a big factor of that
1: well one of the things that it has going for it i think is that the stealth sections are different from each other like at the start of the game you have like a knife and a club and then later on you have a whole section where you have a trank dart that one shot puts people to sleep and that feels significantly different to the stealth in the first third of the game. Yeah the enemies are feels... a bit more
0: dangerous so they give you the trank rifle to make up for it. I think that's an excellent Ye- point James.
1: Yeah and because these sections feel very different to each other like the novelty factor gets you through where like the unsophisticated mechanics don't because i was enjoying myself in these like me too i would also say that you know if you were to compare the stealth on a baseline to those other games it's just terrible but doesn't reflect how i felt while playing them because they knew not to make you do the same thing over and over they yeah so i would say i still enjoy it
0: all right what what, what gameplay bit are we doing next james talking shooting or, fo- or brawling
1: Let's talk about shooting. Um I actually found this detracting. Basically my least favorite parts of the game were all the bits where I had guns. Mm-hmm. Um because the guns feel really bad to shoot. Like you have an assault rifle and if you're firing at a at a mook, um the tracer rounds will spread out in this really wide burst but you'll actually still be hitting the target they just won't be reacting visibly in any way something like even like doom the enemies react to getting shot they do not in this game so it's actually because the tracer rounds uh, lie to you and because the enemies don't react it's very difficult to know when you're actually hitting an enemy. Um, The only really way you can tell is that if you hover over an enemy, the the aiming reticule will change colour, or get a little bit bigger. And if you hold down left mouse button while the reticule is big, the enemy will die. And that was the only way I could figure out how to reliably kill things. Um, The the feedback is like, I can't understate how terrible it
0: is. So I'm not quite as low on this as you are. And I think it's partly because, uh, I guess, how I approached the combat. um, I was basically going for headshot kills. And that was it because if you I actually
1: do- couldn't tell if headshots were in this game uh, i was going to ask you. absolutely <laughs> yeah
0: they i'm pretty sure most of these guns just kill enemies in one sh- shot if you shoot in the head so i was doing a lot of leaning around from corners shooting like one or two bullets for the head and then going back to cover. There's this thing going on when you lean around from corners, you're not invulnerable from enemy fire, but enemies will kind of shoot for you at a while and then they'll pause, they shoot a burst. So it's kind of this weird first person cover system where you need to wait for them to finish shooting which will then give you an opportunity to lean around the corner and now the headshot, and then you can move on to the next enemy.
1: I I didn't bother with the leaning. I just ran out and did that and then ran back behind cover. Right, okay. Strafed back and forth. Yeah. yeah,
0: so so I found by using this more precision-based method, it wasn't as miserable of an experience. That being said, mm. I wouldn't say this; these are good shooting mechanics or the guns aren't particularly interesting. The shooting is kind of kind of like the stealth to me it's kind of like bland and uninteresting but once again like with the stealth it doesn't Force you through these sections for very long periods of time and it breaks it up with the stealth and the like random little bit of platforming as you're moving around to the point where I was never super upset. Um, I didn't like fighting the mechs with regular weaponry, that was just they were just bullet sponges, but that's a problem I have in so many FPS games. It's just like if it's a huge problem in fear, I don't know if you've ever played fear, James, but so
1: the problem with this is that those mechs die in three hits to the back Um, right yes but also the damage fall off on the shotgun is like insane it's like if you shoot across if you shoot him in the back from the other side of the room it'll take you like 50 shots if you like get up and physically are touching their back when you shoot it's like three
0: okay that's less bad then because you can stealth up to them right
1: yeah that's what you basically have to do um like that first time you see a mech and you have to fight it, that took me so many tries. I died like due to impatience, like all the- <laughs> I just I was like this thing seems invulnerable. Um and I looked this up actually. In the original game, you can stealth past it, activate the lift, and then just not fight it. Mm. Um in the remaster, that's not an option. You just have to fight it. Right. <laughs> Which um probably the one thing that the remaster does poorly, I think.
0: Yeah, so I think if you're going to play this game with the combat, you really want to go for a precision approach. You don't want to be strafing out of cover. Uh, yep. But even then, like for all that, I obviously I didn't dislike it as much as you do, James, but I'm not exactly going to throw praise at it. And it's definitely a step behind, you know, not just the glorious FPSs of the late 90s, but also its contemporaries. Like the Half-Life 2... Half-Life 1 fears combat are just light years ahead of this experience so it's only somewhat saved by how infrequently you have to use it
1: yeah um I would say that the I liked the I guess I'd call it horde shooter almost bits where you're fighting aliens and stuff like like zombie type enemies that run Mm -hmm. at you Um, in those sections all of the enemies die in one shot from the shotgun yeah so it was really just a reaction speed test of like snapping to the target and firing a quick shot which i found to be a lot more enjoyable than the bullet spongy enemies who i didn't think to headshot (laughs) um there was two of these sections where you know there's zombies or little alien dudes that are fast and crawl along the wall Um, And they felt very similar to me as gameplay sections, but also very distinct from one another because the enemy types you fight are very different. And this all goes back to, you know, how good this game is at mixing things up and keeping you engaged.
0: Yeah, for me, those horde shooter bits were kind of a low point. I think I've just done this too many times in FPS games in my life at this point. You know the small, fast, annoying enemy in the dangerous section. It's like Half Life 2's Ravenholm is a better example of this. Of course, yep. I know I keep bringing up that game, but I can't tell you how much how similar these games feel in design. And Half Life Two is just bigger and better in so many aspects.
1: It's funny because every time you do that, I'm like, yeah, but I actually finished this game and enjoyed it, whereas I didn't finish Half Life <laughs> okay, Two because I got Okay, the one part, yeah,
0: the vehicle sections, <laughs> yes, the vehicle sections are trash. Everyone knows that, but I don't know. I actually, I've always liked the uh, vehicle sections in Half-Life 1, for example, because I like the idea of moving your vehicle up to a certain point, there being an obstacle in your path, you're having to deviate to, you know, kill the guards on the outpost and then coming back. It's just that the actual driving mechanics are so shit that you kind of <laughs> want to stop playing. I think that the fundamental design of those bits is good. Like I, I like the design, it's just uh, have better driving mechanics and then it's less painful. <laughs>
1: Absolutely agree. Um. All right. So there are collectibles in this game. Um. Would you say there's also exploration in this game?
0: uh it's funny. Uh, yeah. There are kind of like these weird semi-secrets, aren't there?
1: Yeah. I um,
0: uh, to- I I don't know if I'd go so far as exploration. And yep. the collectibles, I just couldn't give a shit about it. They were like, I don't even know what they were. Were they like Me different too. outfits or something?
1: I have no idea. I couldn't work it out. Like yeah, I something the with multiplayer. Yeah, for me it was the Celeste thing where I I just liked looking for them and finding them. Um I didn't really care about what they were. And I would agree with you and say this game doesn't necessarily have exploration as it were, but there is enough like wiggle room in the level design that you can, you know, walk around a bit. Like when we did King Kong, that game was like oppressively linear. Mm-hmm. Whereas this game you feel like you have a bit of agency on where you go, especially when you go to the max security section, where it almost feels like RPG progression.
0: Um, I I think you've hit on something important here, which is that it feels like the pacing is driven by the player and it's not driven by the director of the video game. And this is... This is what I keep coming back to, I've I've said this before, the difference between The Last of Us and Red Dead Redemption is that the director has a vision that it wants to take the player on. A game like this, or a game like Deus Ex, or even a game like Half-Life, the player is in control of the pacing of the adventure. I will say when it comes to the specific like uh, exploration rewards, I find that uh bits of story content and i say story content very loosely here like pressing on all of the doorbells doors, of every yeah. single thing to me yeah. that's a lot more rewarding than Discovering a collectible, and in your Deus Exes, it's a lot more expanded, of course, because you have emails to read and environmental details to enjoy, etc., etc. But I think that that kind of stuff, uh environmental fidelity, environmental exploration, is far more rewarding than here's a pack of smokes hidden in the corner that gives you some random collectible.
1: I agree. I I really liked that section in the guard's house. Um. And I noticed it cuz when you come up into the bathhouse of the guardroom the lighting in that room it's like everything's super reflective it, it kind of reminded me of almost like mirror's edge and then the whole section where there are these doorbells you can ring and they all talk to you not all of them but most of them mm-hmm. um and there was even like a secret section that I found um where some stuff was hidden that also had doors that had all had voice lines on the doorbells. Like every single one in that secret room had... Um, I thought that was great. And um, it's worth
0: noting that it's not just uh, doorbell pressing. There's also lots of overheard conversations, which yep. I quite enjoyed in both the initial area and the later areas. The funniest of which when they were talking about, um, about Riddick escaping and they said, what does he look like? And as you're walking up, he's like, oh, he kind of looks like that guy. Because you're dressed in the guard uniform and they're saying, Yeah, that guy in the guard uniform, he looks exactly like that guard.
1: The levity that the main character cannot deliver himself. <laughs> he
0: has the he has the hitman protection. So I think that I said earlier that there's a part of this game that just feels like a Skyrim quest, uh, and it's the bit where You go into an area and you get told that you need to prove yourself in fist fighting against different people in order to progress through to the next area. So you need to literally find these people, challenge them to a fist fight, you do the fist fight and then you move up in rank and can go against the next tough challenger. And around the area, there's some ways to make money, ways to do favors for people, little quests almost. Did you get the same feeling I did, James, that it was literally an oblivion quest? It was
1: like a guild storyline. It was like the fighter's guild. Exactly,
0: yeah. All with the gradually escalating challenge and everything. I actually enjoyed it. I think that that style quest, when executed well in Skyrim, is actually very entertaining. Like it's kind of formulaic, but it doesn't matter as long as you're not doing a hundred of them in a row. So to do one of them where it's gradually escalating in the middle of what I thought was just a stealth action FPS was a really nice change of pace.
1: Yeah, and the whole like area was probably my favorite area of the game, because one thing that I think this game does very well, um, is that it uses backtracking well, which almost no game does. Um, so to me using backtracking in a game kind of implies that individual places in the game world have importance or significance and that's why you need to go back there Um, and it kind of like if you have a linear game where you just always move forward And then the moment you leave a room, it's gone forever, like it doesn't Mm. matter. Um, It's not very immersive. To me, backtracking leads to immersion because it means the game world has purpose. Um, But generally, this also means that you have to walk backwards through areas you've been through, and it's kind of boring, right? This game does this thing where there is like an obvious linear path to get to point A, um from point a to point b and then to get back to point b there's actually a second path that you can now see when you're going back the other way oh my god james you
0: know know what you're doing you're doing dark souls it literally is right like it's just so much better (laughs) yes james i agree dark souls is a fantastic Uh, game But but obviously this is the game that Dark Souls took its uh shortcuts. Well, this game
1: came from, right? out before it, right? By a long time. Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly, yeah. Yeah, th- this game predates all Metroidvanias. So, I don't mean I don't mean to make light. I completely agree. It's just it's just funny how you're describing describing it. It's exactly how Souls yep. does it. And I completely agree. Uh, backtracking to areas of importance, having hubs that matter is a good thing for your world design does wonders for immersion and is maybe a big part of why everything you said about linear games about the previous level disappearing into mist great point so sorry i don't mean to make light it was just funny the way you were describing it as if it was a novel concept and not something that I can't help but bang on about I was every hoping single episode. Pick up on it, right? Like a <laughs> okay, super <sure>. obvious connection. <laughs> yeah. yeah, quite funny.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, that whole area—I wouldn't say the individual quests are like great, but I did like how a lot of them kind of like met up with each other in different ways.
0: I liked—I uh, liked collecting the moths so the guy could make cigarettes. That was
1: good. I liked drugging that guy's food, and then he started having a seizure on the floor and then I progressed the main story for like two hours and then I came back and he was still on the floor having a seizure right (laughs) where I left him
0: (laughs) it was great that's pretty funny Um, yeah so the talking to people works great I love this style please more video games use hubs like this it's always enjoyable and I like exploring stories in video games exactly like this so uh, it's, it's simple like you don't actually need a lot to build a compelling world obviously other games my favorite of course being Prey have done this on a far more sophisticated level but that doesn't mean that the way it's done here is bad it's just less uh you know it's just less of it but even having some of it is good so I wish games would try and do this more often.
1: Did that game have NPCs you could walk up and talk to?
0: No but there are NPCs in the world that you eventually interact with as you go move towards the end game. Um, right in fact i think that one of the things it does that's so interesting is that you know that every single person on the station in prey has like basically a medical alert bracelet and you can track every single one of those individually medical alert bracelets like every single crew member is accounted for in prey it's insane um and it just makes it that when you do have an interaction with one of the few survivors it makes it all the more meaningful That's cool. Yeah, that game has, I mean, I know I've probably talked about it before, but that game has the best and most sophisticated world design of like any game I've played ever. They built the world first before they did anything. It's so well thought out. I love, love, love the environmental storytelling and world design of that game. So play Prey, it's great.
1: Riddicks are close second though, right?
0: <laughs> a very, very close. Very far, far, far second. You might even say it's 20th. But but my point is that even when it's done in this light fated fashion, it's still additive. So more games should do this.
1: Yeah, um I think that the melee system presented you with a bunch of options like you can press all the different directions and punch and it'll do a different thing. You can block. Um, and then you kind of work out that if you just time your punch to land just before theirs lands you can kind of like stagger lock your opponent and you don't need to use any of the other systems so Mm. i felt like the game had a fairly sophisticated combat system that the enemies were not designed to make full use of or it was just a bit exploitable but you don't do it very often honestly
0: yeah it does make like uh, everything else (laughs) it does make the um brawls a bit silly and maybe this is why it felt so much like a Skyrim quest because in those things where you're facing a gradually escalating challenge it's always a piece of piss like it's just never hard and uh, that's exactly how this played out. You do your five fights and they're like oh but this guy is the ultimate challenger and then you beat him in exactly the same way you beat the past four guys yep
1: i really liked how the blood splatters from your fight stayed on the ground like the entire time and like by the end of the quest chain the floor is just a complete mess of blood
0: <laughs> i think um with these fist fight sections i think the reason they feel so good is in large part because of the slickness of the animations I think that what's actually on display here is simple but robust and it's the animations that escalated into being actively fun.
1: Also it tied into the rest of the quests around the place because like you can do the fist fights with your fists or you can like do a bunch of other quests to get your hands on like a lead a lead pipe yeah and just bash the shit like when you have the lead pipe they're blocking and they're just like writhing in agony as you're just smacking this lead pipe into their arms this
0: this isn't a particularly well regulated fighting league if you can find a lead pipe in the fight you can use it no one's going to stop you
1: (laughs) yeah also also the cops uh the prison guards will just take part in the fights too yeah it's quite funny
0: how they always just drag the corpse away it's like yep this is just part of the culture of this place and we have to respect it
1: so good and like well everyone's so corrupt there it's kind of like i think like the the guards need to be that corrupt um for the plot to work basically yeah well it's, Um, it's very
0: nihilistic like they're just bullies with guns they're not uh they're not cops in you know the real sense of the word
1: it definitely near the end of the game when they've got that really elaborate like cryo chamber thing um man it's like it is so much more cost efficient just to kill you (laughs) like just like just shoot them like no one's gonna ask where they are or if they're in this prison you can just say they died in a prison riot.
0: well sometimes they do do that like sometimes they just callously kill people for fun but Riddick apparently gets special treatment.
1: Yeah, he the, the plot armor on this character is like insane. Like so many times you would think they would just shoot him and they don't. One of the funniest um, bits is
0: right at the end where he's running away as like 20 guards are shooting him. He gets to the edge of the platform and they all stop shooting him. And they're like, yeah. they're like give up, Riddick. It's like, you were, there were 20 of you shooting him with guns. Did you not think you would kill him? Like, what, what did you think was happening? That you would miss every single shot? Then when he reaches the end of the platform, you're like, nah, we've decided we're not going to shoot you anymore. What the fuck game?
1: i don't get it yeah the uh the plot armor on the main characters is just kind of insane and did break immersion a few times um well
0: it's weird because the rest of the game you're just killing your way merrily then one guy points a pistol at you and you're like okay i guess i can't do anything about this i'm going along (laughs) with this
1: it's like sprinting up to dude shooting you with assault rifle versus guy with little pistol
0: <laughs> like in the game you kill multiple mechs one of the times you get captured it's because a person with a mech aims their gun at you it's like why why are you deciding to be captured now when i killed all those mechs before what's different
1: i don't know convenience yeah convenience, convenience yeah maybe this yeah. maybe this
0: is where the plot is a little silly uh and maybe we should have crit- critiqued that a bit more in the story section um it's very him getting captured is because the the story demands he gets captured not because there's a logical reason for him to be captured but i guess we're operating on action movie logic for a lot of this game which is maybe okay
1: yeah and then at the end of the game um there are robots that you can literally like one hit with a fist punch it's like what is going on here
0: also all the mechs and robots you take over they're not password protected or anything Or do do you get uh, a DNA implant? I don't know how it works.
1: Yeah, it's a bit inconsistent because all the assault rifles are DNA protected. And if you try to pick them up, you get zapped. Um, But none of the shotguns are. And very specific assault rifles are not. Um, It's it's very inconsistent. And then at the end of the game, in the super, super, super max security prison, none of the guns, (laughs) like the pistols are... Or the giant robots that you can get in
0: and pilot and steal. would that be Protected?
1: Yeah, who who knows? Um, but
0: that whole section is amazing. I loved it. So I think to, what's to say is that this game has a fair bit of action schlock that uh, yeah, is a bit stupid. I gotta say, I was happy to kind of go along with it. And maybe this yep. is because the game is immersive enough to a point that it doesn't bother you as much. I think that might be part of it honestly, James, because I think that when it when there is effort put into world building, you don't notice those little stupid or large stupid details as much.
1: I feel very conflicted about this game, Patrick. Yeah, me because too. it's like whenever I'm playing it, I'm having a great time. Like I am able to play it in a couple of sittings, like when I first sat down to play it, I was very happy to keep playing it all night. Um, but it doesn't have like a hook. There isn't like a single bit of the gameplay that I can point to and be like, this game does this excellently. Because the truth is, it doesn't do any. Maybe the structure, maybe the structure is what it does excellently. Um, because the, all the individual bits of the gameplay are kind of subpar. But the whole, the game as a whole, I found to be really enjoyable. But it's like, It's difficult to, you know, if if I'm talking about King Kong, I can say that game does spears really well. I love using the spears in that game. It's kind of hard to get across specifically what about this game is great. It just all kind of works together really well.
0: Yeah, the sum is greater than its parts, right? Yeah, and we've definitely played a lot of games where that hasn't been the case. Uh, The one that comes to mind, of course, is Eternal Darkness. Where I think that that game was less than the sum of its parts, but this is a game yes. where the opposite is true. Ready for final impressions? You think, James? Yeah, I think so. Alrighty, I'll uh, I'll take it away. Um, I recommend Chronicles of Riddick. I think that on balance, this is a good game, but like James, I'm very conflicted because. The story isn't phenomenal, and none of the aspects of the gameplay are phenomenal either. This is really an instance of where everything comes together into a cohesive whole to produce an experience that is greater than the sum of its parts. I think that part of it is that this is very, a very tight game. The entire game is you escaping from a prison. You're not the chosen one, you're not trying to save the galaxy, you're trying to escape from a prison. And I think that the length of the game at five to six hours means that the weakness of all the individual aspects never really get exposed. You get to do each bit just long enough to enjoy it. Maybe at parts and at times, it does drop into tedium for a bit. I certainly had those issues with the horde shooter sections. And depending on what you like about these games, that might happen in different parts. But it was never a deal breaker for me. And I was never like, God, I'm hating this game. Please just let me move on to the next part. It was more like, I'm just going to ride this out. And before too long, I was moving on to something new. So yeah, it's an interesting game. And I think that I recommend it to anyone who enjoys this era of FPS, this era of early. 2000 shooter design, because I think this is a good example of a Half Life ish style shooter, even if I don't think it quite raises to the heights of Half Life. It's really not that far away. And I want to draw special emphasis. I mean, I've done it a few times already, but I'll do it again to these hub areas that slow down the pacing and let you engage with the world and the people in the world. It does so much to bring the world to life, does so much for immersion, and it shows that you don't actually need to put shitloads of effort into this to still produce an additive aspect to the um to the first person genre.
1: I think The Chronicles of Riddick: Escape from Butcher Bay is a really great game. Um it is absolutely more than the sum of its parts as Patrick's and I've said. Um, I think that the structure of this first person shooter is one of my favourites of any FPS ever. It doesn't feel like they made a bunch of levels and then slapped a story on top of it. And it doesn't feel like a movie that's begrudgingly a video game also. It feels like a video game that is very reactive to its plot in a very satisfying way without taking away agency from the player allowing you to do you know progress however you want or still feeling you know tight and to the point There is some great circular level design every location you go to feels like it has reason for being there in the game world the setting is great the tone is consistent and oftentimes funny in a very edgy and dark way um i really really liked my time with this game um i find i think it will be something i would struggle to convince you know like a friend to play through but i think it is definitely worth your time to go back and play this one Uh, especially because once you get a copy of it it just runs perfectly it runs with modern settings you can you know crank the shit out of it and it still looks really good i just had a blast absolutely recommend this one
0: you forgot to mention the menus james it's so cool
1: (laughs) it's like this little cube that like uh it's very snappy
0: you really do like your weird ui well not weird you like your interesting ui elements don't you
1: i guess the only other ui that springs to mind is like persona fives uh very snappy very animated and active it's like it's a menu that's enjoyable to navigate because of its animations right
0: like what about psychonauts menu where you're running around the giant brain
1: I do like that a little bit too. <laughs> uh, it's very difficult to make, you know, stuff like this engaging, um, although I don't think you can like to anywhere near as much as I did.
0: Yeah, I tend to like more boring menus, but I do think there is something to be said for people expressing their creativity in this way. Sorry, I'm going to go on a slight tangent here, but there was a Twitter thread a while ago about the danger of minimalism. And it made me think cuz it basically took a whole bunch of things that i guess in a, in our public spaces that were once ways to express artistic creativity things like park benches and toilets and all all of these things that For economic reasons, we've kind of mass-produced and kind of reduced towards minimalism over time as a society, because we value the utility and functions of these things more than their artistic value. And while I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, because those things do serve society economically on a greater level, the danger of doing so is that it can lead to the elimination of our culture and the ways in which we express ourselves and things can be something something's lost in that process of moving towards utility and that's what I think of with these menus James I'm like do I particularly love these menus no but if this is a way for artists to express themselves to create something unique and interesting then it's probably something we should be encouraging over raw functionality 100% well
1: I agree I fucking hate boring uis dude Uh, the thing that comes to my mind is the jump between dragon age origins and dragon age 2's ui dragon age 1 had this spell book that looked like a book each of the pages looked like you know textured parchment and all of the icons looked like they were drawn onto it fucking dragon age 2 just looks like you know the windows 10 when you press start and it has the like single color squares on it right like Mm. all of there's like world building and immersion that's just lost like i would take something like diablo one's like half screen you know cluttering UI over something like that. Like, I hate these, you know, form factor minimalist UIs that don't have any degree of personality to them. And I know some people probably, you know, value that and in online multiplayer games, you know, minimalism is for the best, but in a single player experience, please, just give me, you know, some UI with these stupid-looking dials on them that make no sense. Like,
0: so, so, what you're saying, James, is that uh, System Shock One's UI is the worst is a thing ever. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm afraid you've just painted yourself in a corner into defending System Shock One's UI. Uh, but yeah, it, it was, it was an interesting Twitter thread. I'll, um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I'm sure I can find it again. But it made me take a step back and actually reflect on what is lost when we value economic function over everything else and I'm kind of conflicted because I'm not even sure that even realizing that I don't think it's necessarily the wrong thing to do to not pump lots of money into paying an artist to design every park bench But at the same time, it does show what we as a society value. And it shows that the ways in which we value artists has decreased dramatically over the past few hundred years. So Mm. food for thought, at the very least, I think it's important sometimes to have your preconceptions be challenged. And that's what happened with this Twitter thread for me. And this game. (laughs) And this game, yes. So anyway, thank you so much for listening to us talk all about Chronicles of Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay. My name is Patrick Arthur and my co-host was James Turling. We are the Retrospectors Podcast. You can find all of our content on our website, which is rspodcast.net. It has links to a bunch of articles that James and I have written, as well as all of our 97 episodes where we've covered every genre or most genres under the sun by now, with, of course, a preference towards uh, stealth games. And I I honestly entirely own up to that. We'll we'll keep doing them, right, James? Uh, Yes. Um, most importantly of all we've got a link to our Discord server on our on our website and we'll also pop it in the show notes and everywhere else you can find it um, our Discord server is where we do most of our interaction with our community it's where we take recommendations from listeners on what games we should play um, and we would love even if you don't want to be an active participant if you would drop by and hang out because we'll post all of our updates for whatever's coming out next so please if you're enjoying the show tell a friend and drop by our Discord server that's all we are ask. So, James, what are we doing next, Fortnite? We have done a yet another stealth game, which, you know, was felt really good. I'm glad we did it, even if the stealth ended up being light. What are you going to inflict upon me this next Fortnite?
1: Well, I've been wanting to do the follow-up game to a game we did a while ago, um, which so far is probably my favourite game for the show that we've done, you know, in the entire 97 episodes so far, right? And that was Resident Evil 1, um, the remake of that game. And the obvious... Just jump to me is to go and do Resident Evil 4 because that is the next, you know, most highly regarded game that isn't like Resident Evil 2 remake, and to be honest, I don't have much of a desire to go back to the PS1 games at this point. Um, and with the remake, you know, of four being announced recently, it seems like a good enough time as any, and I just really want to give this game a go because so many people are like, you should play that game because it's really good.
0: Um, I'm excited to play Resi four, and thank you for picking it because Resi one, like you, I think that on balance, it is the best game we've done for the show, and it's all the better for how unexpected that game was for me, like. I have never because obviously I'd heard of Resi 1 before everyone talks about Resi 1 but it wasn't until I actually started playing it that I realized how perfect it was for me and how perfectly it was designed. Resi 1 remake was really like a bolt of lightning for me. Fucking amazing incredible game. I also agree with the choice to skip to Resi 4 because what I've seen of Resi 2 is that while it is a brilliant game in its own right it still is a very similar game to Resi 1 and from what I've seen of Resi 3 I don't like the direction they went with Resi 3. I I don't think it's a bad game by any stretch from what I've seen of the footage but the sorry increased focused on cinematic chase sequences is like the fucking opposite of what I want from a Resi game. I like that Resi 4 has a completely different direction because then it's trying to achieve and accomplish something different to what those original games were doing. So I can go into it with a Fresh, fresh approach instead of expecting it to be exactly the same as the earlier game.
1: I don't think it's going to have that same magic that one did for me. Honestly, it looks sillier. And the thing that I liked the most about Resident Evil One was the resource management. Like, I love mm-hmm. tightly balanced games where even small decisions, like how many med kits to bring with you, have big consequences later down the line. Um and i'm hoping maybe for something similar there but i i I doubt it i'm think i'll be best you know um not having any preconceptions for this one based on what i've seen
0: yeah and i'm i'm the same that the resource management was the highlight of that game for me because yeah it kicked my ass until i learned (laughs) got a hang of it and you know it was my favorite part of Gorky 17 as well. Like the fact that every single bullet was precious made that game interesting. So although from what I've heard of Resi 4, it's probably less, a bit lighter on the resource management part. But as long as it's still an element, I still think there's a lot to enjoy from that kind of game
1: yeah so looking forward to that one we'll do that next fortnight thank you everyone for listening to chronicles of richard richard <laughs> actually his name is richard i think <laughs> um but anyway thanks everyone for listening to chronicles of riddick escape from butcher bay we'll see you next fortnight see you next one i guess